now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Bugs and Babes, the B-movie podcast from class to cult to the cheese in between. The movies are beeped, the entertainment is grade A. I'm your host, Mr. Jason Giaconetti, and I'm joined by my dad, Mr. Al Giaconetti. Good morning, Jason. I guess today we're doing uh, the fourth installment of the Friday the 13th series. This one was called The Final Chapter of 1980 from 1984. And we'll get to it right after this. screaming for Friday the 13th the final chapter Jason is back he moves like a shadow dark and silent he never utters a word he doesn't even seem to breathe he simply Mindlessly, <laughs> mercilessly, <laughs> kills. But now, Jason's reign of terror is over. Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Jason's unlucky day.
Friday the 13th, the final chapter, also known as Friday the 13th, part four of the final chapter, was released on April 13th, 1984, with a 91-minute running time. Your director is Joseph Zito. Now, Joseph Zito, um, many of you might remember, obviously, he's known for uh, the miss Missing in Action, Invasion USA, Red Scorpion, um, The Prowler, which we covered over on The Vault. Um, he's known for that. He also was the originally attached to when Canon was trying to make their version of Spider-Man. He was a director on that. Um, so, but he's a name that if you're into genre films and cult movies, he has done a whole bunch of them because that's a lot of what he was doing, especially, uh, you know, right before this movie in 81, he did the Prowler, which featured Tom Savini's special effects. Also, for those of you who have never seen the Prowler, uh, that's the one was also known as Rosemary's killer. We covered that over in the vault. Um, and then he had, uh, again, Red Scorpions, the one with Dolph, uh, Dolph Lundgren, and then Invasion USA and Missing in Action are both Chuck Norris movies. Um, so your screenplay is credited to Barney Cohen. Your story ideas are from uh, Bruce Hedemi's uh, uh, Sakau. Uh, your uh, character credits, of course, go to Victor Miller, uh, Ron Kurz, uh, and then um, Martin Cotisier and Carol Watson. Your producer, of course, as always, is Frank Manguso Jr. Frank Manguso Jr., of course, the son of Frank Manguso, who was one of the higher-ups at uh, Paramount. These these movies here, this franchise movies, was Frank Mancuso's uh, baby. These things made so much money for Paramount, even though they would love to wish they never made them. They made them money, and they actually kept them afloat when things were not making money that they were putting out. Music, of course, by um, Harry Manfredini. Um, and then your distributing company, of course, is Paramount Pictures. Your budget here is a whopping 2.2 million. Your return, nearly 33 million dollars. Um, so part four, as it, uh, at the time, this was considered to be, I mean, every one of them made money. This was literally people were chomping at the bit for this movie. This they could not wait for this to come out, and it did not come out the year right after part three, they actually was a year later. And when the poster came, it was just said Friday the 13th and it explodes. And it says the final chapter, that's all they ever had to show you in the trailer. And they, the lines were huge for this. This is an April release. So we're talking right before the end of the school year. Um, and again, I know it's rated R, but who saw this movie was a lot of people who probably weren't over the age of 18. And this was a huge, huge hit. For the couple weeks, it was, you know, until other movies started opening against it. But this was exactly what they wanted to do. And that's one of the things that when you watch um, either of the documentaries, his name was Jason or Crystal Lake Memories, Frank Mancuso talks about, is that they literally already started working on the next movie before this one even finished because we were making so much money, there was no point not to make the next movie. Um, you'd also hear a lot of those same things said by... Um, uh, uh, Robert Sh Shea at, uh, at New Line when they were making The Nightmare on Elm Street. The movies literally aren't even out yet and the movie's guaranteed to make a profit and you already can make the next one off of the profit off of this one and still turn a profit. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, so like I said, this one is the, um, mm. part three came out uh, in 82 and then this one came out in 84. So people were really hungry for this this movie and they brought Tom Savini back, which Hassan Savini had said he would never work. So, if we remember back to when we covered Maniac, Tom Savini said he was swears he was never doing another movie. It'd have to be something he really wanted to get away from special effects because it was so traumatic. The working on not not like the, the gore and the level of blood and stuff had got to the point where he didn't know if he wanted to do this anymore. 
Joe Zito got him in to do Prowler. And after Prowler, he's like, I really don't want to do this. The end of Prowler, literally the 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 end scene when they kill him at the end, it makes what he does to uh in, in Maniac look kind of tame. Um, and he said he wasn't gonna do anything. I'm, well, he's walking away from this, I'm just gonna teach and do whatever, all that stuff. They brought him back for this one, which a lot of fans who were in the know, who understood what was going on, were very psyched about because having Savini back, even if it was his intention to kill off the character that he didn't mean to birth in the first one, um, even though he always said there's no way in the world there should be any Jason ever besides like the little boy who was Drew Drown. Um, some people have said this is how he's going to kill it off. So yeah, my take. Uh, I mean, when I saw Savini in the in the credits, I thought I was going to see a lot more than what I did in the movie. Um, I mean, I'm a fan of Savini, but as we go through this, I think this was one of one of the poorest efforts uh, that uh, that was that was ever put on screen. There's the the kills happen quickly, and I mean quickly. There's there's very little that you actually can see. It's it's within a couple of tenths of a second that that the shot is on is on screen. There's no drawn out typical Savini type of you know I don't want to say jump scare, but but kill. And that was just my take. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those were all cut. Everything was cut by yeah. the censors. The censors went crazy cutting well, this I mean, movie. Yeah. But that's, you You cut, I mean, if you got Savini in the film and you cut a lot of his good work out, uh, it's disappointing. At least it was to yeah. me. Yeah, but the problem is, is this isn't nowadays when that's all that stuff would be saved. There was no director's yeah. cut. There was not, that yeah. stuff was just cut and thrown away. It, so it's, it was, it's a shame. Yeah. And that's one but of I the main issues. In my opinion, that's, if you had those scenes, it might have saved the film. Yeah. In, in my opinion. So, um, the, to what happened, uh, the actual release, which we told you it grossed oh, about 33 million, um, making it the, f- it was the fourth most attended Friday the 13th movies ever selling, uh, 9.8 million tickets, uh, right. to this thing. So, um, again, it's not the highest grossing one because you, well, uh, just for inflation, yeah. yeah, kind of thing, but cause you start getting into movies where tickets are now 10 to $15 a piece, you're going to make more money even on less attendance, right. but these movie I mean tickets here were three four dollars you're seeing a matinee for a buck right like you weren't making the money hand over fist the way you are nowadays when it's almost thirty dollars a person to go to a theater if you see it in 3d or imax or something crazy like that yeah but what this movie did do even though it is supposed to be the final film and it was intended to be the final film um Mancuso even says that he goes this was supposed to be it we were going to end the franchise here but this movie made so much money they had to come back with um uh, Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, which is part five, which we will eventually get to, even though I don't really ever want to talk about it. But it actually has some amazing kills. I'm with you, Jason. No. What? No, no. You, you've never seen part five. No, I, know. Like, I don't like part five because of what the movie does, because it's a lie. Like, not like, I know some people feel hot tension, even though that movie's 20, 20 years old now, too, is a lie because they feel lied to the entire time. Nothing is a bigger lie than probably Friday the 13th. That's a lie. Friday the 13th part five is a lie. I mean, people felt lied to in uh, April Fool's Day. April Fool's Day is, at the end, a joke, which was not supposed to happen, but that's another story. Anyway, so, all right. So, the night after the events of uh, what, what occurred in the previous film, which is part three, the police clean up the grounds, and Jason Voorhees' body, believed to be dead, is taken to the morgue. Okay, so this is the last film follows on directly after the next one. So just like remember how yeah. Halloween, even though Halloween 2 came out all those years later and they had to fix her hair and make her not look like she's now 6, six years older, that literally is the same night. Right, same right? night. If she, if she runs out of the, the asylum. 
Yeah, I mean, no, no, but, but I'm saying, but part oh. one, right? So with uh, Pamela Voorhees, right, kind of thing, the whole thing like that happens. And then in part two, it's like supposed to be a year later right. or whatever. Yeah. But then three follows right on to that, and this follows right off of three. Yeah, I mean, this movie opens with, uh, with to me, the best part of the movie. It was a fireside chat with Ray Cannon that Jason was never found, and with all the highlights of one, two, and three. Yeah, well, that's ultimately what always happens in these, is that you you have to, you know, they, they open. That's how they would open them. Because remember, again, even though the, the we are in the age of, like, VHS and stuff like that, um, not everyone had everyone access to these movies that often. They weren't on TV that much, so they're kind of giving you, like, a little, like, hey, maybe you haven't seen two and three. And here it is. Here's what's happened real quick. All right. Uh, where am I here? So, uh, Jason... Um, Okay, spontaneously revives and escapes from cold storage at the hospital, murdering uh, the coroner and uh, with a hacksaw and gutting the nurse with a scalpel. Now, um, the 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 whole thing of like when they're there, there's this movie. If you did not know this movie was in the mid to mid eighties, the opening of this movie at the hospital one hundred percent puts you in the mid eighties. The guy, the 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 what the coroner is watching some kind of weird workout video, which we still don't understand what's hundred percent happening in it. Um, the, just the way everything, I mean, it is, it's, it's, it is a child of its times, a hundred percent there without having to like, kind of hit you in the face with the music or whatever. So, uh, so after he kills the, the doc, he kills the corner with the hacksaw and the nurse with the scalpel, both of those scenes are cut way, way down from mm -hmm. what they had originally. Um, of course the scalpel kill, um, is a nod, in fact, to Friday uh, to Halloween uh, two, where uh, Michael Myers stabs her in the back and then lifts her in the air, uh, and her shoes don't fall off like the nurse does in two. But uh, the following day, a group of teenagers uh, drive to Crystal Lake for the weekend. The group consists of Paul, his girlfriend Sam, uh, Sarah, uh, her and her boyfriend Doug, and the awkward Jimmy and jokester Ted. Yeah, this is this is a the new batch of victims. Uh, my case, it was uh, dumb and dumber wannabes. Yeah, well, okay. But the whole point was to make them dumb. You're not supposed yeah, to connect it, with them. Yeah, but that it, Crispin Glover happens to be one of the guys in there and does probably the most awkward dance you've ever seen in your entire life. He, Crispin Glover himself, I mean, he's a really young actor here, but he kind of steals scenes he's in because yeah. he's just so much better yeah. as an actor. And I don't mean that to be negative to the other people, but he is a far better actor than a lot of the people in these scenes. And that's what happens. His ability to act you know go, goes beyond there and and his absolute zaniness um where we go so uh yeah, the person okay uh, on the way the group comes across pamela Voorhees's uh tombstone and a hitchhiker who jason then kills yeah, right i mean it's that one there was just just a gratuitous kill and i said why would you what that that had absolutely nothing to do with the with with the storyline because they they show you the the uh um, the tombstone, which is which is an important an important scene, but to have them have Jason kill this this girl on the road, all I said was this just keeps the the count growing, and uh, it it get, it gave Savini some work. Okay, so also every one of these horror movies, because this is what happened when you had people go through and actually try to you know time this stuff out. There has to be a kill every so often right. in the movies, but, and if you're going to have to plot exposition, you have to have a kill in there. Yeah, no, I I'll get to that because that's exactly what the, what I wrote down. Okay, so the teens arrive and they meet their neighbors uh, Trish and her brother Tommy. These are this is the Jarvis family and their family dog Gordon, and of course um, uh, Trish's mom Terry. Um, uh, no, okay, take the back, not Terry. Trish's mom. So 
Uh, while they go for a walk the next day, the teens meet twin sisters, Tina and Terry, and who go skinny dip and go skinny dipping with them. Uh, Tina and Terry, obviously, um, they, they, you can, you can't, I mean, you can't always send like 10 people together. So you had a bunch together. Then you had the people next door. You have to meet the twins. It's just to grow the number of people who are going to be available for who are going <laughs> to get killed. But that's the entire point is they have to be there to be killed. Um, Trish and Tommy, uh, happen upon the scene and Trish is invited to a uh, party taking place later that night. Now I just want to mention this. Now Tommy Jarvis, who is played, uh, here by, uh, um, Corey Feldman, uh, Corey Feldman this time is 12. And some people have said, well, how could this possibly be? He's 12 years old. How can he be around these naked people and all this stuff? So he wasn't, if you watch the movie carefully, he's never in a mm -hmm. scene with anyone who's naked. It's implied that he is. It's implied that he's yeah, watching them through the window well, or he's yeah. seeing them skin dip. But do you, they aren't really kind of a 12-year-old there. In fact, when this movie was filming, because it was filming during October and stuff, that's how they're able to get everything so cheap, the director and the one who played his mom took him trick-or-treating uh, <laughs> during that time because his family wasn't there, so they took him trick-or-treating. That's He was he was a 12-year-old. Yeah. I mean, he was an actor, and he be, would become one of the Corys in the mid-'80s, and they were just everywhere. Yeah. But, but what you had here was... Uh, his character is actually um, the, to be obviously he's, he's, he's the most important person in the movie other than Jason. But well, we don't know he, that yet. Oh, you but you will be. Yeah, no, you will be. No, but I meant from this point of view, he knows how to fix a car. He knows how to how to. He's an electrician to get the lights back on later on, and you, you know. So nobody else knows this stuff, but he does. Well, and okay, I, but I, the I, thing I, is, I it's also a nod to Savini. He's a mask maker. Well, that's yeah. okay. well, that like, the but that's thing. the whole point is that yeah. he's supposed to Tommy Jarvis. Again, we didn't know Tommy Jarvis was going to become this important. Tommy Jarvis is in three different movies, which two of which haven't happened yet. Obviously, this is the first one, right? But he's Tommy's one of the most important characters ever. Just like Nancy. Well, you don't know that, but okay. But like Nancy's one of the most important people in front of in, in the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Tommy Jarvis is that. He's very, very key to so many things in this series because of the obviously coming off this movie. Him being, you know, good with like, like we're trying to work on the car or kind of have an idea. It's because they made it very clearly. He's, he's doesn't have any friends. He's kind of a nerd. He kind of like is into all these different things. He's making mass and he's playing video games. He's playing Zaxxon, in fact, which is right. crazy kind of thing. So, yeah, as a matter of fact, that the, the mass that are in the room, uh, to me was, I said, is, is Savini, did, did they show Savini's, uh, uh, work as a commercial for his, uh, his you know, for him to sell things. I mean, it was just, that's what, uh, that's what was striking me as I'm watching this movie. I, it, it got, I, it got to the point where I said, Jesus, does, is it all roads have to lead to Jason? The staple of all these movies, no matter I don't care which franchise you're talking about, is that it's nudity to keep the teenagers in the audience entertained until the next kill. And that's what this movie is all about. It's, 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 it is almost episodic. In that you wind up, I, I looked. I saw this movie as almost a, a, a horror repeat of Groundhog Day, because as soon as there's a kill, the movie starts all over again. The scene just keeps going until the next kill, and then it, and then the next kill, and that's that's how I I, I saw this movie. Because I was trying to watch it with the with the critical eye, because that's what we do in these reviews. But I also want to be entertained. And a good horror film 
should have a really good story that doesn't repeat itself over and over again. And again, as I said in the beginning, I didn't think, I mean, and you said the, the kilts had been cut because it was, oh, they were was way cut down. Yeah. I mean, if there had, if the kilts had been better, you would remember the movie more for that rather than these, these 15 minute scenes with the, with, with nudity and then, and then, and, 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 and then a kill. And cause you know, it's coming. It's, it, it, it's just, how do you, how do you, how do you set it up? And in, in all these movies, it's always, we can't show the same kills that we've done, you know, before. So let's do a different one every time. I mean, if I had, if I had a machete, I don't, and I was, and I was able to kill, I wouldn't change into, into a gun or a knife. I mean, what, that's just my take as I'm watching this movie. Right. Well, but the thing is that is that it's done this way on it. These movies are made this way absolutely on purpose. Oh no, I, that's hundred percent on purpose. Yes. And what happens is this part four is again. I mean, if you're a fan of the series, you remember all of them. But part four was literally this was not just Fangoria and uh, Cinefantastique and all any and and Starlog and whatever, but this was all over the place. I mean. To the point where, like, this made Jason Voorhees started becoming such a mainstream idea for people after, because it wasn't after two, three kind of got in there, but it's this one. It's this movie yeah. that literally oh. made him Ronald McDonald, Santa Claus, right. Jason yeah. Voorhees, and you know, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like, it's all part of the same thing. I mean, I, I wish I was kidding. The poster for this movie with the knife through the, the, the hockey mask, right. that's what's tattooed on my arm. <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying is this is one of the most... People, because people saw it when they were younger, it's one of their absolute all-time favorites. Whether you, you again, whether the movie is, is is Citizen Kane or not, it, it's not designed to be. It was designed for young, uh, like teenagers, right. yeah. to go. They're seeing what they want to see. They're seeing, you know, scantily clad, uh, you know, teens doing all kinds of stuff that they would be doing. I mean, they're smoking pot and drinking and getting naked and having sex and whatever. And what happens? Jason Voorhees comes and kills people yeah. because that's the morality tale that they were telling over. And it's not just here. It's how many, how many dozens and dozens of slasher movies right. were done in this off of this exact thing. Right. Now think about this is that the audience that, uh, that uh, they're, they're going after is the perfect demographics. Cause we, you are the, the, the son of a son after world war two. So as I grew up and got married, we're into this into the sixties and then this getting married in the seventies and all of you guys were born. And now in the mid eighties, you're 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. And this movie hit a, hit a, a real good nerve with the, with that group. And that's what, and now if they've got some, and with, with the little extra cash in their pockets to go to the movies two, three times a month, these movies made a yeah. fortune. Yeah. Well, that's the whole thing is that people, Going to the movies back then was something that was a cheap, like kind of date yeah. night thing. It was always a date right? night. It's yeah. a date night thing. Now going to the movies is like taking out a small loan, right? And and you know planning it out, and then you have to go pick your seat and whatever. Like I mean, there's there's, there's no, nothing. Perfect example of this. A and I went and saw uh, Evil Dead Rises. Day it opens in the middle of the afternoon. The guy goes, "Where do you want to sit?" I said, "I don't care." Like I'm just gonna. He goes, I have to, "He goes, no, you have to now pick your pick seats." Seat. And I'm like, right. "Are you joking?" But we had to pick our seats. There was a full movie theater available. When we watched the movie, there was five people in the theater. Two of them were us, right? And the other two other people came together. And one guy, I think, walked in the wrong theater because he sat down and goes, oh, and just started eating his popcorn. I don't think he was supposed to be in that movie, right? But I'm saying is like, like back in the day, you would go and you would 
you know, you got your, it was just a different experience. Now going to the movies, that's why I, I detest going. I'd rather watch something at home. I, I actually am at the point where there are times I'd rather watch something on my tablet at home than go to a movie theater. I mean, I'm not, not just sitting in the living room and watching a big screen TV. I'd rather watch it on a smaller screen with nobody around me and all that stuff. But yeah. this is the kind of movie where you're supposed to see this with an audience. You're supposed to see this with a bunch of people, with a bunch of girls who don't want to see people get killed, with a bunch of boys who are like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, But that's what it was. So anyway, all right, so where were we? So they go skinny dipping. Okay, Trish and Tommy happen upon, uh, they, they, we got that. Uh, afterward, when their car breaks down, Trish and Tommy are helped out by a young man named Rob, who is looking for his sister. We find out later his sister is now dead because Jason killed her. Right. Well, what, I, when I saw this one, and, and again, this is, he's a different a different person in the movie. Different, different, um, yeah, I want to say, in mental state. He, to me, it was, I said, the savior arrives as, as a handsome hiker who fixes the car. Yeah, well, that's because he, so, he needed a screwdriver and he had a knife. Yes. That's what. Well, now, yeah, that's how he fixed it. Yeah. Right, and now I know. Now I'm saying to myself, okay, so uh, in my opinion, he's he's one of the guys who doesn't die, because as we go through, but but then no, but then right. but watching this, you should know this is a slasher movie, so he a hundred percent is going to die. Right. In fact, he has probably the worst death in the entire movie because he literally yells, "He's killing me! Oh God! Oh God! He's killing me!" And I'm like, wow. Wow, dude, you lost all cred you might have had right. with the the nobody, nobody has worse than that. But this movie does feature a lot of slow motion jumping out of window, including the dog at one point, which many people <laughs> people are like, why is that happening? But no one wanted to see the dog get killed. Remember in Halloween, Myers kills a dog. Yeah. And people got mad about that. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's a lot of things people got, but people got mad he killed a dog. So they wanted to make sure that Gordon has a heroic time to get away, yeah. right? Although, I mean, if it was, yeah, it could have been Air Bud, the original, and he could have saved the day. But right. he didn't. jumping through any window, you're going to wind up having cuts all yeah, over. Yeah, I understand. And the door, yeah. but the dog. But again, I, I didn't, I didn't see that one coming. Yeah, I know but I'm just so, so scared. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> gotta jump out the window. I, hey, get, out of all the people in the movie, he's the one who does the right thing. Exactly. It's like literally everyone in the movie. Nope, should have had that idea in the, from, the, from Jump Street. So. Uh, where are we here? Okay. Uh, they take him to their house uh, where he meets their mother, uh, where they meet their mother. Tommy shows him several monster masks he's made and Rob leaves to go camping. Um, later that night, the teens begin a party. Um, a jealous Sam sees Tina flirting with Paul and leaves. She goes out to the lake where Jason impales her from under a raft with a machete. Now that scene was, again, cut way down, extremely dangerous to film because it was filmed at night. And it's now October. That water is ice cold and they're in it because there's people in there and they're doing the scene. Yeah. But it was dangerous that way. Um, but again, that scene is supposed to be so much longer than it is. There's supposed to be so much more yeah. to it, but it's not. I mean, it just, it's, I mean, you know, she, because they can't. But they again, couldn't the, get the, it in because the they wanted to get the yeah. end of the movie in. But the longest part of that was that she strips down naked and she yeah. goes swimming to the to the raft. Actually, it's, it's an inflatable boat, inflatable yeah. boat. Okay. And then she's on the boat for about 15 seconds and she calls out to her, her boyfriend's name to come yeah. on. And then Jason's hand comes over the top. Yeah. And, but again, it, to me, it said that the kill in the boat led to the kill on the pier. Yeah. So Paul and, goes out to look for her. He is harpooned in the groin. Yeah. Right. Uh, again, cause, uh, you have to kill people off in the movie. So it's not that it can't happen. Yeah. I know. But back at the, back at the, at the house, the, the guy who, and I'll use the word dork because that's exactly what he was for most of the movie. He gets lucky. Uh, Crispin Glover. Yeah, yeah. But he gets lucky with one of the girls. Yeah. Okay. 
And so in the audience, when you think about this, you've got the, the, the hip teenagers who think that they're real, they're real suave. You've got the shy ones. You've got the, the girls who are, and every, every character, somebody in the audience can relate to them. That's why they're there. Right. And so when the dork gets lucky, the yeah. guy in the audience who considers himself to be, ah, he's got a nice little smile on his face. Yeah. All right. So, uh, he's harpooning the grind. Terry tries to leave the party early, but Jason stabs her with a spear before she can get on her bike. Wait, that's something. Where is she going? I don't know. It's pouring cats and dogs, and she goes out. I thought she would get in a car, but no, she gets on a. Well, that's what she has is a bike. Yeah. That's what they came on was on the bikes. Yeah. That's oh, all she's oh, got. That's all she got is a bike. She didn't have a car, Dad. But they don't, where is she going? I don't know. Back to where they were supposed to be because Terry wasn't supposed to be there. Her and Tina were not supposed to be, because uh, that's the whole point that the twins, Terry, Tina and Terry, are not supposed to be at this party. So she's going back yeah. to whatever. Um, Mrs. Jarvis arrives home and discovers the power outage while searching for the children and Gordon. She is killed off screen. Now, there is some talk that maybe she wasn't killed off screen, but then she disappears and she never comes, comes back. back. So the implication is that she was, I think what happened was they, her kill was never reportedly ever filmed. So they, I don't, I think they left it open. They were either trying to, they didn't know if they were going to bring her back or have her whatever, but she's not back at all. Yeah. And that's weird because she never came back like in the last frame or last whatever. Because if she had come back at the very end when uh, back to the house, then maybe you can explain it. But yeah, this was this was another scene where they that it, it was never explained where they were going. They were in the car and they were they were they, well she they where, were, where were where were the the the, the, the boy and the and the sister coming from? The mother gets has she has no idea where they were well they were or, supposed to go to town to pick up whatever they were, they were supposed to pick up, but then they broke down. That's the whole point is that they're stuck there. She doesn't know they're stuck there. Yeah. But, it, but they didn't break that. Well, you don't know that. No, this is, this is way but, after so, the car. But saying, so then they never got to town. So there, she doesn't know they're supposed to be going to the party. Right. So the mom goes in to do all the stuff that she walks in with stuff. That's the whole point. They were supposed to be going to town. They never get there. They go back to the house she goes out and yeah. runs the errand. That's that's the only explanation, Dad, because it, they don't tell you. Right. That's what I'm saying. But that's what I'm saying. That's the only thing it can be. All right. So uh, where are we here? Trish and Tommy soon arrive and realize their mother is missing. Trish goes to search for her and finds Rob's campsite. It's revealed that Rob is the brother of Sandra from the second installment who has been killed. Rob further explains that to her that Jason is still alive and that he is coming to he uh, came, can come to came to Camp Crystal Lake to avenge his sister's death. So Rob came to avenge his sister's death. Worried about Tommy's safety, Trish and Rob return to the house. Okay, so after sleeping with Tina, Jimmy goes downstairs to uh, get a bottle of wine. Jason pins his hand with a corkscrew uh, before striking him in the face with a meat cleaver. Tina uh, looks out the window upstairs and finds her sister's bike still there. Jason then bursts through the window and throws her. Now, that's another classic Jason bursting through the window uh, and throws her to her death, crashing into the car. Now, let's just sit for a second. Clearly... Watch the the person going out the window. The person who is thrown is a woman. The person who tumbles off the top of the thing is clearly a dude, like a dude with hair. Like it's not as bad as like in Rad, when literally the like when when uh, Lori Lachlan's character all of a sudden now has the wrong color hair and a mustache. But like it's clearly a guy taking that fall because it's a real fall. Like there's no CGI. This is a real person taking a fall off of a second story of a house, 
tumbling down and landing on the ground. Yeah, I thought that was perfectly honest. I mean, it, again, it goes by quickly, and if you're looking for the, uh, well, I know to look for the legs. If you look, if you, yeah, if you look I look for. I always look at the arms and legs, right? Because that's how you can tell, like it but was it, Tasso's hands or whoever's. But to yet. me, it was the best kill because yeah, act, whoever it was, the, the stunt man took that real I, bump and yeah. hit on top yeah. of the cart. Now, be, just before the the corkscrew kill, yeah, the uh, the I'll, I'll call him the, the loser of the bunch, right? Is watching old newsreel films. Oh no, they're old stag movies. So, so I'm saying they're, they're, they're stag yeah, movies, but they're, I mean, but they're on a um, projector. Projector, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And he's 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 having a well. Great he's stoned out of his gourd, Dad. That's right. the whole thing. He's stoned. He's stoned. Um, yeah, well, the thing is, is that he's the loser the entire way. And I, to me, what the type of loser that he is when he was a young boy. When they played musical chairs at a birthday party, he never got a seat. Well, okay. So uh, while Stone Ted watches stag films with a film projector, he gets too close to the projector screen and is stabbed in the head with a kitchen knife from the other side. Uh, Jason then goes upstairs where Doug and Sarah are finished making love in the shower. After Sarah leaves, Jason kills Doug by crushing his head against the shower tile. When Sarah screams upon finding Doug's body, she tries to escape but gets a double a double a double bit axe through the chest, right? Again, many different kills here. Um, the problem is this: is is that uh, a lot of times uh, in later movies, the, the so okay, Jason doesn't get the machete until part six. Right. That's really what happens. He doesn't get the mask until part three. He doesn't get the machete till part six. Like that, like he never kills someone with a machete as like his weapon of choice because he doesn't have one. Like he uses whatever's around him. Um, Unlike like Michael Myers, who has the butcher knife because that's what he uses, and it's it's like he kills his sister in the beginning and he carries it throughout the whole thing. He mm. keeps re cleaning the knife and keeps going. Uh, you know, Jason's not worried about such things. Trish, Rob, and Gordon go next door to investigate and discover the teens' bodies. Uh, where Gordon flees, which is the slow motion jump of the dog through the window. People don't know why it was in slow motion, but they were like, it's a very heroic scene, and it makes mm. you feel like, oh, the dog got away, which is good. The only person who's smart enough, the only character is wanting to run away. And Jason kills Rob in the basement, which I mentioned before, which is the worst. He's killing me. Oh, God. He's ki like, oh, God, dude, like fight back. Um, it, uh, uh, Rob, as Trish runs home, uh, taking Rob's machete. Now, the machete she gets, she grabs the machete here. Yeah. Jason doesn't get the machete. It's actually in part six. He literally takes the machete as, as his weapon of, to kill people. Um, but Jason breaks in and chases them into Tommy's room. Trish lures Jason out of the house and escapes, then returns home and is devastated to learn that Tommy did not, didn't run away. She senses Jason behind her and tries to fight him off with the machete, but is overpowered. Having, dis uh, having disguised himself to look as Jason as, as a child, Tommy distracts him long enough for Trish to hit him in the head with, with the, uh, hit him with the, uh, in the head with the machete, but she merely whacks off his mask. As Trish uh, stands horrified as Jason's deformed face, Tommy takes the machete and strikes into the side of his skull, causing him to co uh, collapse on the floor and split his head uh, upon impact. And Tommy notices, well, he slides he slides down the machete too. When Jason noticed that, uh, when Tommy noticed Jason's fingers are slightly moving, he continues to hack the body, yelling "Die, die, die!" While Trish repeatedly yells out his name. Okay, so a lot just happened there. Let's just talk about this. So. This is the the end of the movie. Kind of this, you can kind of tell it's ramping to this. Um, Rob is killed in the basement with the sounding like whatever. So they bring them. So now you have the machete with her. What happens is again, since Tommy Jarvis is is the smartest person in the movie, he looks at the 
the newspaper clippings. And they said, well, he was a young boy. He was deformed. So his thing is, well, I can make, instead of making a mask, I can make myself look like Jason Voorhees and distract him. It's the exact same idea. It's a callback to part two, where they use the mom's sweater to make him think it's his mother, right? Because he's not supposed to be intelligent, which he's not, right? But for for that scene, everyone's like, man, that looks horrible. Oh, he cut his hair. He didn't cut his hair. It's a, it's a ball cap, guys. Like, calm it down, right? But that scene, people have always looked at and said, okay, like, wh- how would you know to do that? Why would that happen? It's like, you're, you bought everything up to now. You have to believe that he's smart enough to look and say, okay, well, if I cut my hair and darken my eyes, I'll look like him. And that might confuse him because he doesn't seem overly intelligent, right? So that happens. Then we get, um, and, and the problem is, is that the, 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 when she, when she, when, um, when, when Trish strikes Jason with the, with the machete, you know, it's not going to kill him. You know, it can't be her that's, that kills him. Right. Because unlike the, 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 the final girls in the, in the, in the other three movies, she doesn't have it in her. You can tell mm-hmm. she's the, instead of making this the fourth time that the same, like the same characters killed him. You don't have it. She doesn't have that inner. She doesn't have that killer instinct that just comes out like we saw with the, the people in the, on the other films. Right. Yeah. You I, know? Mean, she, I mean, she, when she even went with the machete and she, she tries to act brave and then, then, and the uh, Rob gets killed. I don't know what I didn't understand was she, she runs out and she runs back into the house knowing that Rob was just killed down at the bottom of the basement, but she well, runs no, back. Yeah, no, and that's in the other, he's killed in the other house. She's now back in her house. That she went yeah, to no, her no. Yeah. It's because she told Tommy to run away, yeah. but Tommy didn't leave. Yeah. But right. we need her to go back, back. So we establish that Tommy's still there. And she's like, why didn't you leave? And then they, you know, they, 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 he busts through the door. They drop the television on his head. Yeah. It's all these very eighties kind of things that in a different kind of movie would be all comedy. And here it's all like designed, you know, if yeah. trying to get away. Right. But making, making Tommy Jarvis, the, the one who now has the, cause he, again, he's the only one who has seems to have an, like, okay, well, no one else is stepping up. It's right. got to be me, right? That's what and, I'm saying. He's the smartest one in the movie. Well, but he's also the one who's kind of sick and tired of this garbage, so he just does what he yeah. needs to do. But he winds up, um, you know, b- you know, slamming this machete into the side of Jason's face, which was one of the most iconic scenes in the entire series. It is the most one this up to this point. Maybe the only one even compares to that is, um, well, Jason jumped out of the lake literally is like set the whole series in motion. But like when Jason burst through the window in part two and like things like that, people are like, okay, like that's yeah. huge. Well, especially the first time you see yeah, it. Yeah. Right. But when, when he hit him in the face, their audience reaction was, whoa, like they didn't, they had no, they had no idea what there was going to happen. It didn't go into his neck. It didn't stick in his head. It went right through the side of his eye. And you're like, okay, like now it's different. And then he hits the ground and that scene is longer. He slides down the machete. They had to cut so much of this movie to keep that in. Because if you take the slide down the machete out, what's the point, right? But that, he actually slides down longer. His mouth moves. Like, he's literally in pain going all the way down. But they cut this, to, but they had to. Tommy notices the hand moving, which no one ever does, right? No one ever sees the killer get up, and they make a joke of it and scream. They go, this is when the killer comes back for one last thing, and that's when Billy sits up and, you know, Nev Campbell's character shoots him square in the head, Right. Tommy goes crazy and just starts whacking him with the machete. 20, 20 yeah, just, just because now the rage is built up in me. I'm just so tired of this. Stop killing everybody, right? 
which then leads to, of course, the hospital scene, you know, at the end, um, at the hospital, uh, um, Tommy visits Trish and he rushes in and embraces her. And then it's when he gives the, the look into the camera. But the whole idea is that, in, you know, they say, well, you know, when someone's pushed to their limit, you know, this can happen and whatever. But no one else, everyone else, when they were pushed to their limit, just said, they was not have got there because he got killed. He's the only one who did the right thing. Now, him staring to the camera, what their idea was, we've killed Jason. Maybe we can now make a bunch of movies where Tommy Jarvis is a killer. But that wasn't going to work because everyone loved Tommy Jarvis. He literally became an icon of the series. The character of Tommy Jarvis, even though he's a little kid here, became like, whoa, Tommy Jarvis is like the coolest person. He's like Nancy. He's super cool. Like people are like, yeah. how can we do this? You know, well, we thought, can't make him the killer. I mean, again, I haven't, I haven't seen the follow ones. So I said, that, you know, is, 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 is Tommy now the new Jason now? But that's it, what they were kind of going well, for. Was, but yeah. there's no way they get Corey Feldman. Well, no, back. but it, it, but when you think about it, I mean, at this point, uh, when he looks into the camera and his eye, he, he, yeah. you see his eyes, if his eyes had turned red or green or something, then you did like a supernatural. Right. But, the, but that's possession. That but that's yes, not what they're, yeah. that's what they're just saying is he snapped and now he's a serial killer. Yeah. Like, but Jason, the problem is at this point, the, cause remember this is 84, right? So we've already kind of gone. Michael Myers has had a couple movie, like, you know, you're starting to get. The problem was the idea of a slasher not being a serial killer. Like, there's two very, very different things. Someone who's a serial killer, like Norman Bates, who's insane and is a serial killer, right? And and no one ever thought we were going to get a sequel to Psycho. And what do you do? You get, like, three more sequels to Psycho, right? Um, that was part of the problem. And they, and they, they talk about this. If you ever watch... Um, oh, good God. It's uh, Red, White... It's... Uh, I forget. There's two documentaries. One of them is, uh, is it's it's all about the slash movement. One's about horror in the '80s in general. But be, and that's even before you get to the new ones that just came out, um, In Search of Darkness, right. um, yeah. parts one, two, and three, um, which go in depth in all these things too. They had talked about the idea that like there was people didn't kind of understand the difference between a slasher and a serial killer, and then they said, "Well, Michael Myers is kind of a serial killer." But he's not really a serial killer. He's just at trying to kill his family. But that's kind of. But they had to kind of try to broaden that gap. Um, it's a lot like the difference between like like we talked about targets earlier this year. And in targets, yeah. that guy's he's I mean, he's he's a, he's killing people. But he's not a slasher. No, he's he's mentally, he's yeah. mentally you know yeah. he snaps and he starts shooting people. Yeah, but I mean, is he a serial killer? I mean, no. No. Like see, I'm saying that's what I'm saying. Like like in Maniac, he's a serial killer. That's the whole point. Right. Like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, I mean, it's by definition, right? But that's like Son of Sam. That's like those things. Those are very different than a slasher. A slasher right. is this. They but they wanted to but they wanted to pull it apart because too much of the real world was starting to seep into some of the earlier movies, and they didn't want that. They wanted to make it completely different. Movies like The Burning, The Prowler, like they they had it like they like they was a lot of like. You know, they had us kind of keep pulling away from the serial killer aspect of it because that wasn't what they were going for. Serial yeah. killer movies are going to become a, are, are a real red flag kind of thing. Slasher movies, like, okay, these are stupid kids. They're getting killed by the same guy. It's right. all whatever. That allowed them to make the movies more right. horrific than well, they the, Well, that was the point I made in the beginning is that these are all almost formulaic. Uh, no matter which series you're talking about, but then you get a movie like The Silence of the Lambs with Hannibal Lecter, and there the the serial killer. I mean, it is an engrossing 
gory. You you had everything that you wanted in a movie, but it, it it was geared not towards teenagers, but towards but towards adults. Yeah, and that to me was a much more satisfying, you know, scenario than 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 even any of these. Now, my favorite of the ones that I've seen. Now we've seen four. I don't know how the rest of them are gonna are gonna pan out for me, but I, that's why I thought one was really good because you hadn't seen this before. Well, but one wasn't a slasher movie. No, no one's no. a murder mystery. Exactly, and that's but but again, it it led to a bunch of jump scares. It led to fantastic kills, especially with Kevin Bacon in, yeah, in well, the bunk. Yeah. I mean, to me, when you, when I'm watching him, I'm saying, "Wow, this is really good." And then when then when you continue on to the next one, and then the follow on ones, the ha- I said, you know, I'm watching this movie, and I'm, I'm and when they when when they they lock themselves back in the in the the door, she puts the nails in the door. I said, that's a waste of time. He's going to jump through the he's going to jump through the window. Bam! There it happened. So it for me it was so predictable that it, I don't want to say the movie turned me off because I wanted to, I want, as I said, I wanted to look at this thing constructively and I wanted to enjoy it. But in, in, at the bottom line, it seemed like this film took almost three hours to go and it was only an hour and a half. To me, there was no suspense. The acting and directing was all predictable. But again, it made a lot of money because they, they, they focused it on the group of people that were going to spend the money. Right. And that's all that really matters. It's sometimes it's the, it's the cash box and not the, um, the, uh, uh, autistic, the artistic, uh, the, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's exactly uh, what Robert Downey Jr. said, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. said years and years ago. Point. He goes, there's two co- people. Some people make movies cause they're art. I make movies that make a lot of money. money. And what happens? He was in every, until right, now, right. he was in all the Marvel movies. He's Iron Man. His movies right. made insane amounts of right. money. But there's two types of movies that were made back then, Dad. There were movies that were very artistic and very, you know, whatever, that made nothing. Yep. And Siskel and Eber and all those people oh. love them. Love them. They're amazing. And you're like, well, it's a really well-made movie. That's great. And then then they had movies like this, which uh, Robert Roger Ebert called like irrehensible it's like it's, it's like the most disgusting disturbing thing he's ever said i'm like but it made on a two and a 2.2 million dollar investment right. it made 33 million dollars yeah. if i could tell you right now you could spend 2.2 million and you and and in less than a year you had 33 million in return right. every right. single person in the entire world should say yes because anyone who says no is being stupid yeah. right the only times and again this was paramount this wasn't independent right so that the like Halloween set this up. Halloween was made independent, made for nothing, made way, way more money than that. But there was never like if this movie had not if this movie had made ten million dollars, there would have never been a five or six or anything right. else. But it made thirty three million. And the thing is, until the return started getting to the point where they were not enough, no. yeah. then we're already seven, eight, nine in. And now, honestly, the the as much as you may not enjoy these. Friday the Thirteenth, the property of Friday the Thirteenth, which Jason Voorhees is a killer, what, however reimagined it is, in the last year to two years, there's been four or five different projects that have been greenlit and shut because they just can't quite get it because they know that if they put something out and it doesn't hit this, because yeah. this is what people want, if you don't hit this, you're gonna make a lot of people angry. And when a lot of people get angry, nowadays, you're done. Yeah. There's no money coming in. And there's nobody going to go see it. This is what happens, though. It, 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 we saw this with, um, well, to an extent, we saw this with the Friday the, with the, the Friday the 13th, the, when the remake, 
where the the was the, the new one has elements from literally this all these movies put together. And people, when they saw it, they go, "Well, this isn't the Jason Voorhees I know, hundred percent. Not the Jason Voorhees you know. It's not even the same. It's not, it's not even close to the same guy." But when you watch that movie, just as even though it's Friday Thirteenth, and you remember that, well, we had to stick Daniel Panabaker in it. We had to put this guy. You have all these really pretty people in it. That's what they used to do. But these really pretty people aren't all getting slaughtered constantly. You're like, what's going on? But when you watch the movie, it makes sense because they tried to like tie together things, but not make literally this film. People didn't like it. The new Nightmare on Elm Street, where they had, um, what's his name? I forgot his name. Um, the guy who played Rorschach in uh, Watchmen, the guy who oh, was the the kid in, um, in uh, on, um, Bad News Bears, right? The one who's, who smoked and did whatever kind of thing, right? They made that people. If you if it was Robert England, that movie would have been a huge hit, but it's not, and people hate it because you don't change my thing. Right. Robert England doesn't put the makeup on anymore. He literally was on an episode of Goldberg's, and that episode was the highest rated the one they had. Yeah. Why? Because Robert England's on it. People love this stuff. The Jason without a hockey mask. Well, some people. Well, you know the sack hockey mask is what they want. Machete. Well, he doesn't get a machete that he uses full time until six, and he doesn't even use it all the time in six. In seven, he's got all kinds of kills. That's what the thing is. That's what the that's what the jokes. When you get to Jason X, which I know you have never seen, there are jokes in that movie because it's supposed to take place way in the future. It's the one that doesn't take place in time; it takes place in the future. There's things in there you're like, yeah, that's right on the nose because they know what they're talking about. Like, okay, like. We're going to do this. And it's like, you see it coming. You're like, of course it is, but it's designed to make you remember and laugh. And he's like, oh, he just looks for his machete. Well, which he gets right through him. Right? you know, there's things like that, which is why when they, Jason versus Freddy, which is the, you know, kind of the, the culmination of both right. these series, even though it's not really right. Um, that movie took decades to make not years, decades to make because they couldn't get the rights in the right place. Mm. And then they went through 60 different scripts, all different things like they're assassins for the devil. They're there. And people are like, why are you doing anything except give me Jason, give me Freddy, let him fight. Yeah. And what that, what was that movie? Jason and Freddy, let him fight. It literally was King Kong versus Godzilla. Right. And what, and uh, think about Kong Godzilla versus Kong, the new one, right? Yeah. People are like, well, what are they going to do? Well, at the end of the day, what did they do? They had they told their story why Godzilla was going crazy. King Kong's doing his thing. At the end of the Godzilla, Kong, they fight, and then Mecha Godzilla shows up. Oh, sorry, spoiler alert, but the movie's a couple years old. Mecha Godzilla shows up and they have to fight him. But that's what people wanted. Yeah. That's all they want. People wanted here was naked, naked teenagers having sex, drinking, smoking pot, and then getting disemboweled. That's oh. all they wanted. Yeah. And the thing is to to almost sell 10 million tickets. That's insane. Yeah, but it turns out, I mean, the, all of these franchises, forget about how much money they made at the box office. The, oh, the home video. The, oh, no, forget even home video. I'm talking about toys. No, there was and, no toys. There was no toys. There was not one toy, Dad. What are you talking about? This what? is the 1980s. There was no toys for Jason. The toys came in the 90s, late 90s. It wasn't until oh, okay. we, be, uh, my generation, you know, the, the, the back end of Gen X got old enough to have disposable, that McFarlane and Nika, that, there was no toys. That's the problem. We used to have to pretend that like this guy was Jason Voorhees. Why? Because he might have a mask on. Everything you had to pretend with your G.I. Joes and your Star Wars. Like there was no toys. 
Freddy Krueger okay, was the first yeah. one to come up with pajamas, which is weird. He's a child killer. You make pajamas for little kids, but that's another story, right? But there was no toys. Even the Halloween? No, the, 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 there's no, 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 no toys no, no, of no. anyone. There was no, no, I mean, machetes. The, Hall the Halloween that, stores didn't have the... So you would have a hockey mask. And, and the hand. Okay, well... And a glove, glove yeah. eventually, right? Yeah. And the, I mean, you've seen me make uh, uh, the correct hockey mask for yeah. Jason for different films. I've done taken you take the the cheap two dollar mask they had because they didn't have official license anything, and I will go in and I'll put the cut into it and I'll burn it and I'll do. It takes a lot of work to make it look like yeah. Jason Voorhees. It's not just Clark Griswold throwing on a mask at, in in uh, um, family uh, winter uh, Christmas vacation, vacation, but. But he does that, right? Did anyone go, I wonder what they're referencing? No, everyone knows what they're referencing. He has a chainsaw in his hand. Does Jason ever use a chainsaw? The answer is no. no. Who used a chainsaw? Leatherface, yeah. which looks nothing like this. And that's the other thing, too. Okay. Think about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which has no blood in it whatsoever. Yep. Right? People swear the whole movie's drenched in blood. There's none. The only blood in it's real, and that's when they fell and cut themselves. They go, look, we don't have medical. Just keep going. That movie should never have had a sequel. Right, and the sequel we get that absolute insane train ride with Bill Mosley and right. Dennis Hopper, like it is. And then what's her name? I forget who plays the DJ, and then she becomes like like the most insane person, and you're like, what am I watching? Right, because Text Chainsaw Massacre by itself, standalone movie. Okay, it didn't make a lot of money. I mean, it was nothing, but. What happened was when you now made the sequel, people went back and wanted to see that thing. The original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is considered to be one of the best horror movies of all time. And that not trying to be mean, but like you, I mean, I, and I love the movie, but there's nothing to it. Yeah. There's nothing it's, there. It's what you don't see. Right. Well, That's, it's the implication. Right. It's here's the hook. He's, you see him going to slam her, but you cut okay. away and you're yeah. like, oh crap, she's impaled on that hook. Now, you do see her arms flailing, but you don't see blood pouring out yeah. of her or anything like that. And if you slam someone on a meat hook, there might be, I don't know, a little bit of blood. But anyway, but like I said, so this is, like I said, this when we started this journey uh, four years ago, uh, you know, to get Dad to start watching the Friday the 13th movies because you've never seen them, um, it's just one of those things that these are movies you've never seen because you always had said, oh, God, they're, they're horrible. And you like the first one, and then the second one with Jason, okay, and the third one, okay, it's getting there. But the, but the problem is now we're getting to when these movies started making. They were making a bunch of money, and now you're getting to where the the – the meat of the franchise is, which probably are cinematically speaking, the worst films they made, right? That's, but it's true. The movies aren't these amazing in-depth, like studies of character. Now it's like, look, we already know what we're going to make money with. Get some people naked, get them to the lake, let this guy cut them in half. Somebody saves it at the end. Bada bing, bada boom. We go to the next one and mm. we just keep making our money. And at the end of the day, that that's what that's what they wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you know. You, so okay, so think about this. This is uh, this is pre Hellraiser, right? The Hellraiser is not yeah. out yet, right? Hellraiser is disgusting, right? As a movie, right. like for I mean, it's well made and all this stuff, but it's gross, right? I love it, but there's a lot of people who can't sit and watch it because at that point they said, "Hey, we've gone so far with this slasher." Like, we now have Freddy's cracking jokes. I and mean, this is pre-Child's Play, which eventually started going that way, too. So they wanted, how can I ground this in, like, the most guttural thing ever? And that's why Hellraiser, because they always lump in Pinhead with Jason and Freddy and all mm -hmm. this. Hey, not the same. But those movies, when you watch all of them, they and they get worse. Past three, they get, ugh, right? But those movies are, never get funny. They never get, like, they might be, oh. Oh, okay, this is a waste of time. I've seen this, you know, kind of whatever. 
But the Friday the 13th movies, they knew that we're going to put this out in the theaters and we can guarantee ourselves, you know, seven and a half to 10 million tickets. So yeah, we're going to make some money. You're going to make 25 to 30, $30 million on this movie. So, but you know, be it as it may, uh, part four at the time, this was a huge hit. The poster for this went up in the local video store and there was a waiting list to rent it. They could not get enough of these in. People love this when, because they used to show at Halloween time, they would show Halloween, Halloween two once in a while, but they would show Friday the 13th part one, part two, because they had TV rights to them. Right. And when this debuted on television, oh my, they could, they could not get this movie on cable fast enough. Everyone wanted to see this because they saw it once. Then we got to see it again. We got to see it again because that's what it was. You know, not yeah. everyone had VHS and yeah. stuff. I mean, Jay, you were six years old at the time. I didn't see this until, until I was older. Until, yeah, until when? Probably. So it probably was. Uh, so Luke and I. When we got it. No. And we're back. Okay. So like I was saying, uh, we never saw these movies until we were older. We saw. No, I shouldn't say it. We saw probably part one on TV, like WPIX. That's local channel 11. Uh, cut up or on our um uh, WNYW, which was the now called Fox uh, affiliate, you know, kind of cut up back in the day. That's how I saw the first couple of any of these things. We're always cut up at Halloween time and stuff like that. So I don't, you know, to see all these things together, it wasn't until we got older. Um, I'm sure they showed them. I mean, we saw them on USA, like when USA would do a Friday the 13th marathon, but they're still cut there, but less cut than they were cut on Channel 11. Um, but we didn't see all of them until... Maybe they were on HBO or something like that. You know, we finally caught them and then pieces together. And then eventually I bought all the tapes. As soon as I got mm -hmm. older to go buy tape, I'm buying these things on tape. We're watching these things. And we then would sit down and watch them. Um, you know, but again, the, the certain, again, it, it, it's, these are not made for everybody. They're, they're in fact, they're, that's hundred percent the case. These movies are not made to be um, super deep, you know, intellectual things. This is, I, I always look at this. This these, these are to me comfort movies. There's, I mean, I know it sounds weird, but like this is the kind of thing that if it's on, I could put this on. And if I fell asleep watching, I fell asleep watching it. Like I've seen it a million times when I'm working on a model. Um, when I was able to do that, you know, like I would, you know, have these things on. It's not, not unheard of for me to watch the same movies over and over again. Why? Because I know every line. I know just from what they're going to say to look up at this point because this is when the cool part's going to happen and stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, so. So, like I said, we're going to do part five next August. Um, and part five, of course, everyone, uh, I already hear the moans from the fans out there is the one that most people hate the most. Even though, I'm going to be honest, when you see part five, if you just divorce yourself for what's wrong with the movie um, and just look at the kills in it, there's some really cool kills in there um, kind of thing, which you haven't seen before, which is the whole point of them. Uh, but then, you know, other stuff gets in the way. Anyway. All right, folks. So that about wraps it up for uh, us with Friday the 13th, uh, the final chapter. I will be back at the end of August with Piranha 2, The Spawning. Um, and then Dad and I will be back, you know, and and I'm hoping to get Luke on and have maybe some other special guests on through the rest of the end of the year. All right, so uh, we're good with this, folks. Uh, like I said, I'll, you'll hear me again with Piranha 2 at the end of the month. Um, just solo job on that one. I didn't make dad sit through that because if you thought this one insulted your intelligence, you should watch a piranha too. You'd be like, what? How did James Cameron make this movie? Oh, he did. Um, so anyway, all right, folks, like I said, that about wraps it up for us. So, uh, did you see this in the theater? Were you old enough to go on a date to see this movie? That would be great. Cause now we're getting to 84. So you only had to be born in like the early, the mid seventies and stuff. You had a shot at this. I mean, I was already six at this point. So, um, but you know, we'd love to hear from you. Send us feedback. All right, folks. So 
Like we say around here, keep those cards and letters coming and keep watching the skies. This is Tokyo, once a city of six million people. What has happened here was caused by a force which up until a few days ago was entirely beyond the scope of man's imagination. Tokyo, a smoldering memorial to the unknown. An unknown which at this very moment still prevails and could at any time lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world. Hi folks, Luke Giaconetti here. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Do you like giant monsters? Or as they're called in Japan, Daikaiju? Monsters like Godzilla, Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, or Mothra? Do you like more obscure monsters, such as Gappa or Yangari? Do you like giant heroes like Ultraman, or super robots like the Shogun Warriors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at twotruefreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality. This has been an episode of Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. If you'd like to contact me, please email the show at botsbugsbabes at gmail.com. If you'd like to find me online, I'm on Facebook under my name, Jason Jacknetti. I often contribute to the Two True Freaks Facebook group. You can visit my Facebook page, The Art of Horror Collective, and you can search the hashtag, The Art of Horror Collective. On Instagram, find me under my name, Jason Jacknetti. And search the hashtag, The Art of Horror Collective, as well as the new hashtag, Bots, Bugs, Babes Podcast. I'm the only one using them. I'm also on Twitter, at Jason Giaconetti. And you can visit my webpage at www.theartofhorrorcollective.wordpress.com. All movies, characters, stories, music, etc. are properties of their respective holders. This is a fan work, and any use of any property is purely for review discussion, entertainment. So don't sue me. I ain't got anything anyway. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. Will you stop?